Welcome to the Raising Confident Girls podcast, your guide to raising strong, confident daughters. I'm Melissa Jones, the founder of Girls Positivity Club and a teacher for over 20 years. In a world where girls often feel overwhelmed, anxious, and confused, this podcast is your go-to space. As caregivers, we navigate challenges together. I founded Girls Positivity Club to provide a place where you belong and get the tools to face today's hurdles. Consider this your regular check-in with a trusted friend, offering insights and practical tips for meaningful conversations. I'm here to help you feel confident on this journey of raising a generation of empowered girls. Let's dive in and raise those confident girls together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the very first official episode of the Raising Confident Girls podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I'm so happy you're here today with me in this conversation. And I thought whenever you meet someone new, you kind of want to know their story. You want to know a little bit about them. And especially when they're involved in a mission like I am of empowering and helping raise a generation of confident girls, then you kind of want to know why. I get asked that a lot. Like, why does this matter so much to you? So I thought it would make the most sense today to tell you my story so you can get to know me a little bit and why this mission and this why is so deep for me. So when I was growing up, um, up until I was eight years old, I was a very, very happy child, confident felt loved and accepted for who I was, and I had a best friend across the street. I loved my school. I felt very secure. I felt very secure, both internally because I knew that even though I was from a divorced family, all of my parents loved me. So I lived with my stepdad and my mom, and I saw my biological dad on the weekends. And in all environments, I always felt very secure, very loved, very accepted, And that was really my reality. I had good friends. Of course, I still had normal childhood challenges. I would fall off my bike and scrape my knee, or maybe I would get into like a tiny conflict with a friend or something like that. But for the most part, I really felt very secure in who I was as a child and had a very predictable life. And really what started happening was when we were... As, as I was growing into that seven, eight-year-old age, my mom and dad didn't really love the environment where we lived. So that the street that I grew up on, I loved it because I had certain friends, houses I went to, and everything else. But from a parent's perspective, there were some new people moving in that they didn't feel quite safe with, and they just wanted to move to a suburb across town. So we moved to this suburb, And that's when everything really started to change for me. So when I moved to this new neighborhood, it was predominantly boys and in the area where I lived. So it was a very large subdivision. And had I known going up a couple of streets, I would have met more girls than I would have maybe had a different experience. But really the only girl that was near me lived right behind me. And having grown up, her experience was playing with boys because mainly on her street it was all boys which is totally fine but I didn't have that across the street best friend the way that I did at my old house so right away I felt very disconnected so even though I would play with the girl behind me and I liked her very much it wasn't the same as what I was used to 
And the same thing happened when I went to school. So as a new kid, I was kind of stared at, even though I felt like I looked normal, was normal. I was teased about things. Um, people told me I was weird. I walked funny, so I walked on my tippy toes for a lot of my childhood because of the way I learned how to walk. So I was teased about that, and I was just very confused. So it created this confusion in my mind at school because I wasn't really used to that. And so when we moved, I loved my new house. I loved being in it with my parents, you know. And like I said, we had a very happy, normal family in my mind. And when I went to school, this disconnect started to create this chaos in my mind. So it started this internal conflict, this chaos, this tornado, as I describe it today to girls. It's like this tornado in my mind of like trying to make sense of why things were so different. And so really, that's when everything started happening. The self-doubt, the, the confusion, the not feeling good enough, comparing myself to other girls and wondering like, what's different about me? Why am I not as accepted? I cried a lot in school and the teachers really didn't, this was in the 80s, but the teachers didn't really make me feel very secure either. So I went from a school where I did feel seen by my teachers, by the kids, and then I went to a school where I I felt invisible. I felt like I was either teased, stared at, or had a small group of friends that I liked, but I was always like looking around trying to figure out like what was wrong and why things were the way they, that they were. I was trying to make sense of my world. And so a lot of the teachers would tell me like, stop crying. They would never ask me like, what's wrong? You know, why are you in a nice way? Like, you know, how can I help you? How can I support you? And I guess school probably was a little different back then. I don't remember teachers really doing that or like kids going to the school counselor unless they had a death in their family or like something extreme. So it just didn't add up to me. And throughout my school years, it just continued in that pattern. I did find a group of, of friends that accepted me and, and I felt like I could be myself around. But no matter what activity I did, like Girl Scouts, I did Girl Scouts, it felt like it was only certain girls who were treated a certain way in my troop. Or it felt like it just was another place where I didn't really belong. Even though we were connected by the mission and, and everything and, and the activities we did, it still felt very click-based as far as like there were groups of friends, like you were in the cool crowd or not. And if you weren't in the cool crowd, then you weren't really talked to that much. So yeah, in sports, I was just like, my family laughs now because I'm not very athletic. Like, it's it's fine. Like, I now am, like laugh about it, but I participated in sports and I tried, but in softball, like, I cried if I struck out. I would trip or whatever. I was a little bit clumsy as a kid. And and I think that a lot of it had to do with my own confidence. And that that really even affected the way I performed in things. And I still tried out for things, but I seldom made it or I was teased for trying out because they were like, oh, there's no way she's going to make it was my perception. And so really, I I continued to feel loved at home and I had these, these core people in my life. So 
in a lot of ways, I felt like nobody understood me outside of my home, outside of my family. But I really had these people who made me feel super secure. So one was my stepdad, and he raised me from the time I was a baby, so really a year old. And and he always just was fun. He played with, with my stuffed animals. He made them talk and do voices. He would shoot baskets with me. We just, we went to Colts games together. So, because I grew up in Indianapolis. And we just always had this this relationship and bond. And he never treated me like I was a step anything. And my mom, I mean, she was always like my safe person to go to as far as like, I could talk to her about anything. I told her how I felt. But the problem was she didn't really know what to do about it. It was like she would talk to me about it. She would give me tips. And obviously she couldn't go to school with me. And I would feel good like with what she told me to do. But then when I got to school, it was like I forgot all of it or I didn't know how to make it happen in real time because I really didn't feel like I had a support system at school. And then my biological dad, I loved going with him on the weekends, loved spending time with him. He's funny. He's fun. Still to this day, he really just made me feel special and loved when I was with him. And then when we would go to family functions, like my grandma was a big part of my life. My Aunt Trish, you know, she always like knew how to bring the party. Like she always would say like, and still today says, um, everyone wants to join our party. You know, <laughs> she always like, just like makes everything fun. And so she was always telling me I was special. She was always telling me I was great. And we would also talk about other things too, but it's not like all these people in my life never told me that I could work on something or whatever. And then I would have like my uncle who I would see just at family gatherings, my uncle Bill. And he would always tell me like, I'm so proud of you, honey. No matter what, I mean, all through my growing up, he didn't really even know much that was going on in my life, but he always made me feel very secure, even though I never saw him on a regular basis. So I had these adults, these six caring adults in my life who made me feel very in control. And then, you know, as I went through my school years, it really didn't improve I continue to have this chaos in my mind. I continue to have this control, like lack of control feeling, this out of control feeling inside. And I think from the outside looking in, maybe I hid it well, but people I don't think could tell besides if I would cry. And then the mean kids would call me a crybaby and and whatever. And in middle school, I remember like, liking the popular kid, you know, liking the wanting to be part of that popular group. I think a lot of us have that. It's like even girls today, they tell me like they want to be in that group that's so accepted. And so I think that's really what the popular kids in, in kids' minds are the ones that like everyone looks up to, everyone accepts them, everyone wants to be like them. So it's like this ideal group of kids to be in. And so when you're not in that group, it's like you feel like you're less than. And if you like a boy in that group or you want to be friends with a girl in that group, it's seen as like impossible. And why would you ever? And so I really felt that way all through middle school and high school. And then even within my family, I started comparing myself to my cousins 
because I was so used to like trying to find out like how did I how did I compare how did I add up and I remember having like these fantasies about wanting to have this like she's all that moment where you have a makeover and everyone's like oh my gosh like look how amazing you are you know because of some makeover or something in my mind like I needed to have that moment to be accepted at my own school and my one cousin who I love still she was that person like she was very accepted at her school she was beautiful very kind she always made me feel accepted when we went to Florida and we would have fun together we would laugh we would make up these funny commercials and record them and just make believe and just have a really good time and what I found in my high school years was even though she never made me feel this way I started comparing myself to her and to all the other girls in my life and how I didn't add up. And so when I came back from a trip, it was like, I didn't, I didn't know where I belonged. I was like, what is the point of this? I was 15. And I remember going to my parents' bedroom and sitting on the edge of the bed. And I felt like, what is the point of my existence? Like, why am I here? Why am I existing? Does anyone even care? Would anyone ever notice tomorrow if I didn't come to school? Like, would anyone care besides my small group of friends? And my dad had this gun that he kept in the bedside table for protection, and I knew not to touch it. I knew I wasn't supposed to. We had all the safety rules and all that. But for whatever reason, as I was thinking, does it matter if I exist? I opened the drawer and I held the gun in my hand. And I'd never thought about taking my own life before. And I just was sitting there thinking. And for whatever reason, my mom got this like mom feeling that we have this like internal feeling we need to check on our kids, kind of like when they're young and they're really quiet and you want to go see what's happening because you just want to make sure that they're safe or they're not drawing all, all over the wall or whatever. She walked in on me and she saw me sitting there with that gun in my hand. And we both cried and she hugged me and she was like, Melissa, you do matter. I want to get you help. And it was this like super emotional moment. And it was at that time I realized like, wow, I have really gotten to this dark place because I didn't know how to control my own inner world. So then my mom got me into therapy. I went from therapist to therapist trying to find that fit because they all just felt very like stiff and very sterile. Um, when I would go in these offices, there were these big chairs that were like the leather chairs that made noises when you moved and just did not feel warm until we went to this one therapist office and she was a, a younger woman and it felt like I was in a living room and the way she made me feel made me feel very secure. So she was another like very positive person in my life. And I started thinking like, wow, she really made a huge impact on me. And she gave me some tools to use to start building my confidence. She even came to one of my dance performances. And I started thinking like, wow, one person can make a big impact. So fast forwarding of me trying to manage that and really trying to find my people, I found this core group of of friends in high school who were still friends today who are amazing I was thinking like wow how do I how do I keep this up and I really didn't know my mom didn't know so then through college or like sorry going from high school and thinking about what do I want to do with my life I started thinking about 
what if I could have this positive impact on kids as a teacher? So I became a teacher, and my whole reason for wanting to be a teacher was I wanted to make the kids in my class feel like they belonged, feel seen, feel like they mattered, no matter who they were. Because I felt like in growing up, there were a lot of favorites. And even as a teacher, I still noticed that there were certain teachers who did play favorites. And I always swore to myself, like, they're all my favorite. I will make all of them feel like they're my favorite because I never wanted one kid, even the kid that volunteers all the time, I didn't want them to feel bad for wanting to do that, but I wanted the quiet kid to also feel really seen and important. So that was really my mission all through my teaching career. And what I started noticing about girls is that they were really struggling with the same things. These same issues would come up and I would do the best I can to teach them how to manage positive friendships or if they didn't do well on something, not to get really hung up on that result and to, to keep going, to have a growth mindset, that they will get it, they can do it, to encourage themselves and, and things like that. I started thinking like, wow, I wish I could really have some time to, to help these girls. And really, even through my marriage, so I've been married twice, my first marriage, I really was trying to find myself and, and figure out who I was and who I wanted to be. And and really, even in my 20s and 30s, struggled with my own confidence, believing in myself. But school was like a safe place for me. Uh, being a teacher was a safety. And as I went through my career and my first husband and I divorced, and I started thinking like, wow, I'm seeing in these different types of schools, because I moved back home in a new school setting, I was seeing the same things. And I was thinking like, how can I help these girls? And then in the 2000s, through my career, I went to a different school, same thing. I saw the same patterns. And so in working in all the different settings, I started noticing that girls really needed a safe space to belong simply for being themselves, not because they're super athletic, not because they're super artistic or smart or this or that. They all could come together in some way. And my dad, my stepdad, we didn't know this, but he actually had a brain tumor. So in 2015, we found out that he had this grapefruit-sized brain tumor and he was always this positive person in my life, positive person in my son's life. And through his his struggle with, like, we were shocked that he even had brain cancer and a tumor. But through his battle with glioblastoma um, and all of his chemo treatments and, and everything, like, we, you know, it really puts things in perspective. Because you think, wow, here is a man who was... 69, 70 years old, and in great health, like really took good care of himself, did push-ups, had a positive outlook, you know, would take fish oil pills and, and flaxseed on his oatmeal and all of these good things. And it's like, there is no guarantee. And through his sickness, I started really thinking like, I need to take better care of myself. So I joined this women's group online where I learned about health and wellness. And on accident, I learned how to 
build my confidence as a 30-something-year-old woman. And I was like, oh my gosh, doing these little things in my daily life, in learning more about personal development and growth, I could actually teach these to the girls. So I decided to have this lunchtime club, and that's when it really all started. From me sitting in my dad's hospice room, thinking to myself, I need to make bigger impact in this world besides being a teacher, which I did love. Maybe I could do something even bigger. I want to make an impact that lasts in a legacy. And that's when Girls Positivity Club was really born. It was born first in my mind. And then with my first girls that I met with, they were fourth grade girls. And I I thought to myself, wow, if I would have had these tools growing up, when I was young, at eight years old, at six years old, because I believe it can be taught really young and it should be, all the way through and had this positive place to belong simply for being myself while I'm learning about building my confidence and learning about friendships, how to be a good friend, how to look for those people, how to be my own cheerleader, all the things I teach the girls, it's like that would have been a game changer for me. And also for my mom, Because my mom didn't have a podcast like this. She didn't have a book to read that really dealt with how to do any of these things. And I think for a lot of moms, we all kind of carry with us some of those things from our childhood, which is normal, right? But I want to give girls a place to belong. I want to give you a place where you can listen and get tools and tips for helping your daughter. Because I think if my mom would have had this, it would have changed everything. It would have not only helped me, but it would have also helped her. And that's really my mission of Girls Positivity Club, to help raise a generation of confident girls. I believe that when you create a positive space for girls to belong, for being themselves, and you teach them these tools while they're growing up, they have a better chance of having that stronger confidence of knowing how to tackle challenges in positive ways, not to go down the path of the drinking, the drugs, the you know the negative parts that, that sometimes you can fall into when you're like, I'm kind of lost, I don't know what to do, um, that like cry for help. And really, I never want another girl to get to the place where I was. I was in such a dark place that I was considering taking my own life. And... That is my deep why. That is why I'm on a mission to create worldwide clubs that have this ripple effect not only on the girls but on their families' lives and on generations to come. So that's really my story of how I came up with this Girls Positivity Club, which is my biggest mission and my biggest passion in life. I resigned from teaching in 2022 to do this work full-time because I believe that this is my purpose, this is my meaningful mission to help you, the caregivers of girls, give them the tools and also to provide environments and positive places for them to belong. So thank you for listening to my story and why I created all of this. And my next episode and from here on out, they're all going to be practical tools for you to use in your life with the girls in your life, helping them feel confident, feel good about who they are, be able to tackle challenges with positive strategies and tools, and for you to feel like you're a part of that too. And you can be one of those people 
for the girl in your life or the girls in your life. I think you can have impact to whether you're a mom, an aunt, a cousin, whoever. There are those core people that really make a difference. So thank you for tuning in and I will see you next time where we dive straight into all of those good things that are gonna help raise those confident girls. Thanks for joining another empowering episode of the Raising Confident Girls podcast. Share today's insights with caregivers and friends building beautiful relationships with strong girls. Hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're not just a podcast, we're a community. Follow Girls Positivity Club on social media for more empowering content on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. This podcast empowers you supporting incredible girls. Let's create strong, beautiful relationships with the girls in our lives. I appreciate you listening today. Stay confident, stay connected. Until next time, keep raising those confident girls. You've got this.